Hi, I'm Renee Evans, co-senior leader of Bethel Austin. Make sure that you like and subscribe to our weekly sermons so that you don't miss what is happening here at Bethel Austin. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. And most of all, we pray that you would have an encounter with the living God today. You got that. Not ready, whatever. Hey, Bethel Austin, how you doing? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, it feels so good in here. Thank you. Oh, it was just so good. Love it, love it, love it. Love being here. Love seeing y'all. All growing and changing. Changing and not leaving. I just want to say that one more time. I want to say that one more time. Changing and not leaving. Okay, all right. <clears throat> we were in Wiley this morning. Um, Brittany's got a parenting conference going on down there, and we started it off. You know, but we're the we're the first leg. We're the slow ones. You know, <laughs> they got the fast ones coming up. Seth will be up there. there. But uh, I was on the way to the bathroom. You know, I'm headed to the bathroom and. I see this lady, I go, are the, are the bathrooms up here? She goes, yeah, 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 yeah. And then she walks with me and she goes, okay, and um, yeah, they're right around the corner here and, and that one's yours. <laughs> I thought, what kind of reputation do Californians have? <laughs> that you gotta point out the men's bathroom to the guy. They're like, wow. <laughs> mean when the picture of the guy on it, that one, yeah. Yeah. Lord Jesus. I'm from a different part of California. We know whose bathroom is what. I digress. Okay, there we go. Hey, I uh trying to figure out, thank you. Um I've been figuring trying to figure out really you know what's stirring and I I just keep coming up with this message that I preached, I don't know, 12, 13 years ago, maybe. I preached a few times since then, um, but it's just on my heart. I think because we have such an antichrist spirit pushing on our nation, pushing on our world right now. And when that happens, along with it comes fear and intimidation. Fear and intimidation, people begin to become afraid of tomorrow. They're just afraid of tomorrow. Like, what's, what, what could happen? There's, there's just so much stuff. And if you spend any time at all with the news, which let me exhort you to stop it. <laughs> but that still doesn't matter. People still do it. People are still like, <laughs> like stop it. Stop it. It's terrible stuff. It's just how the enemy lies to you. Like I, back in the 70s, there was this whole thing, uh, the late great planet Earth, you know. It was, don't, Christians, don't get married. Don't go to college. Don't have children. And then the next wave is, don't be left behind. Don't be left behind. Well, if, you, if you're out of here, why would you do anything 
proactively to build momentum. See, the devil is just never done sabotaging the momentum of the body of Christ. We We just stay confused about tomorrow collectively because it's so easy to intimidate us and get us thinking very short-sighted. So I want to just challenge you to dream tonight. I want you to realize that you you have things in your heart that God put there when he designed you. Not after you got saved. When he designed you, you came preloaded with dreams and desires. It's actually how anybody else finds out who you are. You as a human being, human beings were created in the image of God. Human beings. Not just Christians. Humans. It's bigger. We're created in the image of God. And that creator built into the human design to be dreamers. So much so that when you give up on it, when, you, when you're intimidated away from it, when you lose courage to lean into it, your heart gets sick. Your heart gets sick and toxins just pump through your being. And eventually, they just come out your mouth. That ain't gonna happen. Better, you better lower your expectations. I know lots of people crazy with hope, and they're all disappointed now. You better just knock it off. And that's called discipleship. When our hope is deferred, when we become scared of what God might bring tomorrow, the the anxiety is allowed to spool up in our being. And that anxiety makes us sick. It's a symptom of slavery. Slaves don't dream. When the captives were released from captivity, when Israel got to go, they, they became like those who dream. All of a sudden, they begin to realize there's a tomorrow. And their mouths are filled with laughter. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah. Yay. Tomorrow's coming. And... The, the nations began to say, God is doing good things for you. And they would say, ain't it true? Ain't it true? God's doing great things for us, isn't he? Yeah, who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? See, that is God stirring the nations 
to know who his children are. Because those are the blessed people. You can always tell when God gets close to something because it's blessed. It's alive. It's nourished. It multiplies. It prospers. The shalom of heaven. Everywhere. That's the invitation. That's the goal. Somehow, some way, I don't know how it happens. We get to thinking that, that God doesn't want our dreams to come true. Just imagine, you call your kids in, you're like, you got a big old bonus check, you know? You know the end of the year is gonna go well. You're like, oh my gosh, I've never seen so much money in my life. Kids, come here. What do you want for Christmas? Come on, what do you want for Christmas? Anything, I'm telling you. Sky's the limit. Had a great year. What do you want for Christmas? And your, kid, your son says, Oh, Father, not my will, but your will be done. <laughs> no, no, baby. No, you don't understand. No, I mean anything, anything at all. You, what do you want for Christmas? Come on, come on. Tell me, tell me what do you want for Christmas? Oh, Father, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. Baby, what happened to you? Have you been going to church? Where did you learn to see me like that? See, you have to be trained into seeing God like someone who doesn't want you to realize your dreams. Jesus tells his disciples, he says, and you, you who are corrupt, you know how to bless your children. How much more is he wanting to bless his? And how much better at it is he than we are, right? So what are your dreams? What do you dream about? What are your dreams? Not, not what do you think your pastor thinks you should dream about. Now, what do you think God thinks you should be dreaming about? What are your dreams? What do you dream about? Because again, you know, human beings were created to dream. And, and if you ever run into somebody who's living their dreams, their dreams are on the surface. They're like, whoo-hoo, and yours aren't? Those people drive you crazy. <laughs> like, oh, here he comes again. Good grief. He's going to tell me something else wonderful that happened in his life. Oh, my gosh. I can't. If you get this, I'm crossing the road. I'm crossing the road. Don't want to hear it. Don't want to hear it. You were, you were designed for life to be at the top, nourished, saturated, up front, <laughs> just walking around <laughs> like you own the place. I mean, the man is living his dreams right now. 
He, he's a parade. Here comes mom. Uh-oh, run away, run away. is over. <laughs> Dreams are also going to help you shape the yes of your life. Know the direction that you're headed, really, in many ways. You, you See, if you don't know what you're hoping into, what you're looking forward to, you really can't handle abundance. Because if you have a scarcity mentality, you end up trying to pick up every good thing that comes your way. And a whole bunch of stuff that God is blessing people with isn't for you. But if you know what you're looking for, like you're standing in this river, and this river has all this blessing, and you're standing in it, and you're like, oh my gosh, that's beautiful. Somebody's going to love that. That was cool. Yeah, whoa, whoa, that one's shiny. Look at that one. Ooh, we got little speckles on it. That's going to be cool. Oh, oh, here comes mine. This one's mine. Yeah, yeah, I've been praying into this one. Here it comes. You need to scoot over. You need to scoot over. This one's mine right here. This one's mine. See, I can now sort through blessing. I can sort in abundance. I can handle opportunities because I'm not so afraid of missing out, missing out, missing out, taken out by opportunity. I got to be searching for, looking for, hoping into, and being able to recognize what's coming my way. And sometimes, you know, Life, life is surprisingly challenging sometimes. All of a sudden, whoop, your feet get swept and bam, you hit your head on the ground and you see a bright light. You think it's Jesus. It's a concussion. <laughs> That's a concussion that you just experienced. And you're all twisted up and disoriented and you're like trying to figure out, what do I do now? I did not see that coming. And you think, Movement is progress. And eventually you end up over here at the guitar. And you're like, guitar? I, I don't know. I don't know. How to, I don't want to. How? Guitar? When in fact, when you know what your dream is, you know what you're dreaming into, it's, it's like a compass. And you can get all disoriented and you know that movement isn't progress. Alignment is progress. And now movement is progress. But you'll, you'll skip the alignment piece and you'll end up in the guitars. You're like, oh my gosh, what am I doing over here? How did this even happen? This is just humans were designed to be like this. And then there's dreaming with God. Dreaming with God is, well, as you can imagine, he's, 
He puts a supernatural touch on your natural. You know, I, I, for years I, I taught um, a, a group of men, about 200 men over the six years who were convicted of um, domestic violence. And they had the option of spending 52 weeks with me and, and to graduate from my program, which they all spent longer because they all missed something or they weren't ready, or they could go to jail for a year. So I had a line down the street of people who wanted to hang out with me. It was kind of cool. <laughs> and I had this one guy, guy, I'll just call him Charles. Charles, he's, he's, he's retired. He, he spent 35 years with this company. And uh, he just had to get through this class because he was following a, a truck up the mountain in, in Trinity County. And... and uh, he tried to pass it, and the, and the, the passing lane ran, ran out, and the truck was coming in. And Charles thought the truck was trying to run him off the road, and he got all mad. He had an anger problem. And he came up in front of it and stopped and stopped the truck and got out of the truck with his 357 and just shot the engine full of holes. And that's illegal in California. <laughs> And he's lucky he got to come to my class. And all he killed was an engine. Well, Charles is telling me about his dream. He's worked for 35 years. He sold all his assets. He bought a motorhome. And he's going to travel the United States for the rest of his life. And I said, well, so, so what you're saying is that you hope to one day wake up dead in an RV park. He goes, yeah, I guess I do. I go, huh. It got me to thinking about my dreams. Like, <laughs> what am I hoping into? What am I hoping for? A few years later, I end up at Bethel Church. I, um, I end up in Brazil with Randy Clark. I have a group of uh, 10 people from Bethel with me. And then we have 30 other people from around the country. And there's 40 of us on this trip. And we are going to go around to all these different places in 12 days. And in 12 days, I witnessed about 2,500 miracles. So many miracles that I just forgot. I just forgot about it. Until somebody says something about it, like, remember when that lady's head grew back on? I'm like, oh, yeah, I totally forgot about that. I totally forgot about it. Yeah, that was cool. That was cool, yeah. It's just, it was just so crazy. And so we moved from church to church, church to church, moved to church to church. And, and every time we'd get back in the bus and Randy would say, okay, who saw a blind eye open? You know, two hands would go up. Who saw a deaf ear open? A couple more hands. Who saw somebody with paralysis move? Some more hands. Pretty soon, by the end of the, the trip, everybody's raising their hands except this one guy. This one guy named Chad. Chad from Ohio has not seen a miracle. Now, we have been trained in Portuguese, okay? We have been schooled as ministry team members in Spiritus Santos, Fogo, Fire, and Mice. Mice means more, which is kind of a hop for English, right? Mice. Mice. 
more. It's, it's you. You got, you got to get there. But we all got there. So we're all praying our Portuguese away, you know. Oh, and poder, power. Okay, so we got, so those are our four spiritual gifts. <laughs> Last stop. Everybody's kind of keeping their distance from Chad. Don't want to get any of that on them, you know. <laughs> and uh, 7,000 people in this, in this church sitting on stackable white chairs in kind of a leveled up arena thing. The stage is, goes as far as you can see. And uh, Randy Clark calls up the ministry team. So there's 40 of us spread out across the front of this giant stage. Randy doesn't believe that the Holy Spirit even starts moving until 11.30 p.m., okay? <laughs> so we're up there. It's, it's late, and Randy says, and so who wants prayer? 7,000 people want prayer. So 7,000 people have now gathered around us 40, and we're all standing there, and we can't see each other. We just have our own little semicircle right here, like, okay, and we have a translator, and bunch of people and they've brought this little girl to Chad this little girl in this kind of wheeled harness thing it's got four wheels her legs literally are bent they've they've grown curved as she shuffles her feet to move this little cart around she has calluses up the sides of her legs she's eight years old she never walked a day in her life and she's in front of Chad and Chad's like, oh, no. Oh, no, she, she needs a miracle. This is a no miracle zone. Fogo. Fogo. Mice, Fogo. Mice, mice, Fogo. Mice, mice, mice. Poder, mice poder. And the little girl says, through the translator, my feet, my feet, my feet are getting hot. And Chad says, what? Mice, mice, mice fogo, mice fogo, mice fogo, mice fogo. She says, my legs, my legs, my legs are on fire. Mice. And then he turns into Benny Hinn. <laughs> lift her out of there! They lift this little girl out of this cart, and they're walking her back and forth, and pretty soon, this little girl is walking all by herself. Yeah. Yeah. So Amazing. Well, Randy sees what's going on because of all the excitement. He has her come up the steps, and it's like everybody in that building knows this little girl, and the place goes crazy. It's like Brazil won the World Cup or something. Everybody's like screaming, like this is crazy. And I'm thinking to myself, we're going to be here all night. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> and so it was so exciting. It was so amazing. We uh, get back on the bus, and Randy goes, oh, so who saw a little girl walk for the first time in her life? And he's like, oh. 
So we come back to that venue the next morning. We had to pick up some equipment. We're sitting on the bus, and this lady comes running across the parking lot. And she jumps up on the bus. You're like, what's happening? What's happening? She says, I got to tell you what happened. When? What? She says, that little girl last night? Yeah. She came to the meeting with a friend of the family. And the friend of the family takes her home. Their whole family, extended family, everybody's there. Little girl walks in the room. Walks in the room. The whole family's going, what is going on? And the friend of the family leads the whole household to the Lord that night. Now that'll do something to your motorhome trip, won't it? <laughs> kind of bumps it just a, just a hair. Why? Because when you're dreaming with God, here comes the grace. Here comes the power. Let, let, let's supersize that hope and that dream. And at the same time, knowing that before you had your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life, the enemy has been trying to take you out. And when we dream with God, what we begin to realize is that my life is inextinguishable. You can't put my life out. No matter what you do, no matter what you try, no matter how hard you make assignment against me. I mean, I, I remember my, my life before Christ. It feels like another planet, right? Like, wow. Like my, my English teachers will roll over in their graves if they found out that I ever read a book. let alone have written several, right? I actually didn't read a book until I was 26 years old. First person in my family to graduate high school. When I transferred to a, a university from a junior college, I got my transcript and I opened it and I looked at it and it said my GPA started with a point. I asked a friend, I said, isn't there supposed to be a number on this side? He says, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like to be the center of attention. I don't like to be in large groups of people. I don't like to be in charge. And I don't like confrontation. Who is this up here? And, and what have you done with his whole life? The enemy has been trying to put this out since before I was born. Dreaming with God helps you understand and see that you cannot be stopped. You cannot be put out. Because you've, you've come pre-wired with dreams and desires. And heaven is hoping with you that you will see them realized. And, and I, I want you to realize that 
it puts you on display for everyone around you. You know, when you, when you plant bulbs or you plant seeds of flowers in the ground or even fruits and vegetables, you plant them in the ground, you have really no idea what it is. It, your, your dream is like the bloom, the fruit on your life. Everybody gets to see, oh my gosh, look at how uniquely designed, anointed, and called you are. And that came from who you were destined to be. But it comes through the courage of hoping. It comes through the partnership of dreaming. That is how the, the, the guilt and the shame that is, that is slopped on to especially Christians about their dreams. Like somehow that's carnal. That's fleshly. That, that, that you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't be. Well, I don't know. Anybody have children? Yeah. Anybody love them? Okay. Anybody want, anybody want to see their dreams come true? Yeah. 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 Wow. Anybody feel better than God? Usually somebody raises their hand. No. No. Look at that. God wants your dreams to come true. If you have more than one child, you have at least two problems. <laughs> and that is figuring out this human in your house. Like figuring them out. Like, how are you wired? How, what is it that you desire? Because for some reason, you don't desire anything this one does. You're different. So I got to learn you, and I got to learn you, and I got to learn you. And then I source that desire, and I source that desire, and I source that desire. Why? Because I want to see your dreams come true. I want you to feel nourished and cherished in this family. And that's your daddy. That is who loves you. He's paying attention to you. We all know the passage in Romans says that the, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance or irrevocable. But it literally means that, that the donation that God has made to your charitable organism is something he's never sorry he did. His contribution to who you are is something he is never sorry he did. It begs the question, right? So what have we done with his donation? What are we doing? We know the, the story of the, the, the parable of the, the coins, right? You know, we know that there's one, three, five, depends on which one you, you read. But the guy that had one and did nothing with it, remember how, how, how that worked out for him? Yeah, why? Because he was scared of his, his master's reaction. Yeah, I was scared to hope. I was scared to risk. I was scared. I think, I think that guy gets a, a, you know, a, a, pre, a pretty rough response. Why? Why wouldn't you trust me? Why wouldn't you test me? Why wouldn't you believe with me? Why wouldn't you at least try? 
Well, because we're scared. That's why. Generally what happens is we get scared. We get scared of the opportunity. We get scared of change. We get scared of failing. We get scared of all kinds of stuff. We get scared of the things that we've been taught. We've been scared. We get scared of the things that we haven't been taught. It's either uh, Bob Jones, Chris Vallotton, Abraham Lincoln, or Steve Jobs that said, <laughs> that the dogs of doom guard the door of your destiny, right? And the closer you get to that door, the more you hear those dogs, get away from here. You better back away. You are gonna fail so miserably. You'll be humiliated beyond repair. You back away now. And we think this is like two Rottweilers guarding this door. And if you haven't heard the dogs recently, it's quite possible that you're nowhere near your door. But I'm telling you, if you just reach in, if, you just, if you'll just trust the Lord, if you'll just reach in, there's a motion sensor and the light kicks on. And you'll see that these are not two Rottweilers. These are two chihuahuas with megaphones. <laughs> You're like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe that I have been afraid of... No animals were actually harmed in this illustration, okay? Come back, come back to me, come back to me. How would your life live differently if you knew there was no way you could fail? Or what if you were 10 times more courageous than you are right now? What would you be doing? How would your life live different than it does right now? See, you're beginning to dream. You're beginning to dream what you hoped to see, maybe as a child, maybe as a young adult, maybe, maybe when, you, when you first came to Jesus. See, the older we get, the easier it is to get hurt get scared, get discouraged, and call it wisdom. Get the recording. I mean, the longer we live, the, 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 you know, the more resistance we shared. You know, the more resist, resistance we've experienced, the more things have not worked out the way we had planned and thought. And we get, we get our feet swept and we see the bright light. 
and we don't realign. But the ticket is courage. The courage to believe, the courage to hope, the courage to dream again. That's the calling, that's the invitation. And I would that you pick up the courage, the courage of a a 13-year-old girl. Sound booth, you ready? I'm about to hit you. Yeah, you, on your phone. You ready? Yeah, okay. I would that you pick up the courage of a 13-year-old girl named Courtney. Hi, my lovely. Hi. Welcome to America's Got Talent. How are you? Um, a little bit nervous. That's okay to be nervous. That's totally understandable. What's your name? Courtney. And how old are you? 13. Oh, 13. Wow. Um, what's your favourite subject in school? Music. What kind of music? I don't know. <laughs> you're very sweet. And I'm guessing you're going to be singing for us? Yeah. Listen, don't be nervous. I know this is a big stage and there's lots of people here, but you're here for a reason, so go for it and good luck. Thank you. this shy little thing when you first came out and then you sing and you're like a lion. <laughs> Who's the happiest person in that room? Her daddy. 
nobody's cheering you on to be courageous like your daddy. Did you see that whole room explode? Do you know why? Because they all know how afraid they are. They all know what it took to take on the dogs. And the 13-year-old little girl takes on the dogs. And everybody goes crazy. Thanks for showing us it's possible. Thank you for showing us somebody can make it through. We pay big money, go to, go to movies, watch somebody realize their dream. We cry, we cheer, we're so encouraged, and then we leave the theater and we put our frumpy life back on. <laughs> But, but at least I go to a good church. <laughs> and there's some courageous people there. We watch them. In uh, 2003, which is hard to believe, that was 20 years ago, but it was. It's embarrassing how many things I can say were 20 years ago. I turned 41, not 40, I turned 41. For some reason, when I turned 41, all of a sudden I could hear that clock that they were talking about. And I realized that hill that they were talking about. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna die someday. It's like the first time I ever had that thought in my life. Wait a minute, this is gonna end. And right there, I heard the Lord say, Write down a hundred dreams. I write down a hundred dreams. Okay. Okay. So I got a pen, paper, started thinking, praying, writing, thinking, praying, writing, thinking, praying, thinking, praying, thinking, praying, writing, thinking, thinking, praying, praying, thinking, thinking, praying, praying, thinking, praying, praying, thinking, writing. Half hour later, I had 10. I'm like, wait a minute, I'm a dreamer. I'm good at this. But all of a sudden I realized I can only carry about 10 around in my head. I'm like a Pez dispenser, you know? Put one in and one comes out. And so I just started writing down my dreams. I just started writing things down. And it, it began to align with what I know the scriptures to say. You know, write down what you see. You know, the Message Bible says, you know, write down in big block letters so that you can read it while you're running. Keep it in front of you. And, and though this vision tarries, wait for it. Wait for it because it is looking for you. There's like something going on between heaven and earth. And when we write stuff down, it's like it gives heaven a target or something. It's like, okay, they wrote it down. They can't forget it. Let's show them that we think more about them than they do, which is hard to believe. But you write it down and pretty soon you reflect back on it and you're like, oh my gosh, he, 
he did that. I totally forgot I wrote that down. And it's like, I love you. I just want you to be paying attention to what I'm paying attention to. Because you forget. You forget the dreams that you had. I'm not forgetting. So I want to challenge you to write down 100 dreams and start looking at the future. Start looking with hope at where you could partner, where you can meet him. And get your eyes off of all the garbage that Jezebel is spewing all over right now. Lift your vision high. And, and, and let the glory of the Lord lead you. I wrote some down that, uh, it, you know, it doesn't really matter if they're your dreams or not. They're probably not. You know, like I just wanted to drive fast in a circle. <laughs> you know? I, uh, I'd never been to Hawaii when I wrote these things down. I always just thought, wouldn't it be great to take Sherry to Hawaii? That would be, just, it was like never gonna happen kind of situation when I wrote these things down. I don't know, if we've been to Hawaii 30 times, maybe. We've been to Hawaii a bunch now. It's like, okay, 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 okay. Less, less, less. I want to spend the night in the White House, but I want them to know I'm there, right? <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't want to just peel off from the tour and hide behind the curtain, you know? <laughs> I want to eat something that could kill me. I'll cook it. And then there's, there's the God dreams that I have that if God doesn't show up miraculously, this doesn't happen, right? I mean, I've, I've felt a tumor dissolve under my hands. Like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I saw a 15 year old boy with scoliosis so bad, his rib cage was sitting on his hip. His whole body was just accordioned down, and he just stood up in front of me. Oh my gosh. I want to see an angel with my own eyes. You know, like I have lots of friends who see angels. You're like, oh, there's an angel. Where? Where? Right over there. See it? Does it look like a wall? <laughs> no, it's nine feet and it's on fire. <laughs> Over there. Stop talking to me. I want to write a, a, a check for a million dollars and give it as a gift, right? Who wants in on that one? Yeah, okay, now you're feeling my dreams. Now you're feeling my dreams. Yeah, of course you are. Yeah. What are your dreams? What do you dream about? Because I'll tell you something. You write them down. I have hundreds of dreams now. I've seen hundreds of them. I have check marks all over the place. And each little check mark is like a kiss from a good God. Just, I want you to know I'm paying attention to you. I love you. I see you. 
I'm with you. Because you forget. For whatever reason, you forget. And I want you to forget. Write them down. These aren't goals. This isn't like you know, a strategic plan for your life. These are dreams. Just write them down. Get crazy. Just write them down and watch what he does. He loves you. He's your father. And he loves you. You may have noticed that one of my dreams was a family reunion. It usually sets off air raid signals. (laughs) See, my dad left when I was five. They divorced when I was five. He left when I was probably three, three and a half. He must have left when I was four because my, bro- my little brother's four years younger than me, so he would have had to be around for that. I can't even talk about this. Lord, we pray for that child right now that you would make true justice happen in this child's life, that you would protect this child, and Lord, that you would apprehend this offender in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. My mom really didn't like my dad, so she did a pretty awesome job of us not liking him either. And um, and he made it easy because he was never around. Like, never around. My grandmother, his mother, stayed in contact with me and my little brother our, our whole life. We had a relationship with her and my grandpa. They barely had a relationship with my dad. And at age 93, my grandmother passed away and she... She handed my dad an envelope the day before she passed away. It was her last wishes. First thing on there was, I want Danny to do my funeral. So my dad now has to find me and call me for the first time in my life. He contacts my cousin who had all the information. She connects with him and then she warned me, your dad's going to call you. Nani set it up. So Sherry and I are driving to the Bay Area to speak at a church and I'm kind of nervous. Like this is the time he's supposed to call while we're driving. I'm like, I I said to Sherry, what do you think I should call him? So, hey, Gary. Or, hey, Dad. So, uh, phone rings. I said, hello. He goes, hi, Dan. This is your dad. I said, hi, Dad. It was easy at at that point. And he tells me the whole story. So, I take my adult children. Sherry and I take our adult children to my grandma's funeral. And I meet my dad. 
hang out with him, sit next to him. The weird thing about my parents is they both have remarried and totally integrated into the families that they married and have nothing to do with their two boys. It's the craziest thing. And somehow I became the family life pastor at Bethel Church. <laughs> I don't even have one. I don't even have a family. And so I told him, I said, hey, you know, uh, live in Northern California. He said, yeah, yeah, I heard there's some good fishing up there. I said, yeah, there's good fishing and sun up there. He said, yeah, well, I'll let you know when I, when I swing by up there. I, I'll, I'll do that, I'll do that. So my little brother is coming on vacation from Minnesota to spend some time in the sun and in Reading. And it just so happened that my dad was going to come up that same time. So my brother and I asked my mom, would you come over to the house to see your grandkids? But, oh, uh, Gary's going to be there. She goes, ah, I don't care. We're old. I'm like, okay. So they all came over. Well, that was 2011, June, and that Sunday was Father's Day. And I was preaching at Bethel that Sunday. And so they all came. They all came. They're at Bethel. I invited them up on the stage to just tell everybody what is going on. And Jen Johnson took this picture on Bethel TV. It's the only picture I have. I love you. There is no possible way that I could make this work out. What are your dreams? Write them down. And I know how hard it gets the older you get. I know. I know how hard it is to believe for impossible things. But we're dealing with the master of the universe. And he can orchestrate anything. Just give him a target. Give him a target. If you want courage to dream great dreams, I want to ask you to stand. And I want to pray for you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Put your hands out like you're receiving a gift, because you are. Please hear heaven say, permission granted on your dreams. Permission granted. I have called you and I have anointed you into your dreaming. And I just break the spirit of distraction <laughs> and the spirit of intimidation off of people who have 
been hurt in their hopes. And that tonight you would be healed in your heart. That your broken heart would be made whole again. And that you would dream dreams again. And that your mouth would be filled with laughter. And that joy would return. And I pray that testimonies will chase you down. Testimony after testimony will chase you down and you will begin to hear yourself say, God is so good to me. God is so good to me. Let me tell you, let me tell you this thing that just happened. You're not gonna believe it. I wrote this thing down. You're not gonna believe it. He is so good to me. And Lord, I pray for supernatural courage to come upon your people right now. That there would be a boldness. That there would be a fresh boldness. Like in the outpouring of Pentecost. That, that, the, that your people would just be so bold in believing you, in testifying about you, in dreaming and partnering with you. Or that your spirit landing on the flesh would cause the young to prophesy and the old to dream. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come in power. Meist Fogo. Mais fogo. Mais poder. Put your hand on somebody next to you and say, Mais. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, everybody say, Amen. 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 Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.